Andrew Fallett created the installation Timbre in 2021 for the Jack Straw New Media Gallery. I sat down with Andrew in the Jack Straw Studios to talk about the sonic sculptures that compose this exhibit and what happens when you channel electronic sounds through organic objects. When a person enters the gallery, how would you describe what they encounter? So there's a little wall, so you have to make a sharp right turn, and then you're directly looking at sort of command center, a point of engagement. So before you actually get to the, the sculptures themselves, there's a point where there's a microphone, a keyboard, and an auxiliary input, as well as a, a means to sort of select the sculptures that you send the sound through. And then from there, there's the three sculptures that are sort of arranged, sort of all kind of facing each other, kind of not almost facing the performance space or command center, as I described it. I love that term that you're using of, of command center. <laughs> could you talk a little bit about what a person could do there at the command center? Sure. So it's set up just as, you know, just whatever we kind of had around. I got a mic from uh, Joel and just set it up. I had brought in the keyboard that uh, my wife and kid play on um, and then an auxiliary input so you could just play whatever through it. It's I tried to make it as simple to pipe sound through it as possible so that we could have uh, multiple inputs that go through uh, as many of the sculptures as possible. So you could have like a, a drum machine set up or um, bring anything in to sort of uh, activate the sculptures in, in the space. How do the sounds that are happening there at the command center, mm -hmm. how do those then start to interact with the sculptures? Sure. So each sort of like line from this little mixer goes to the sculptures, and each sculpture has a different interaction with the electrical signal. So the one piece that is a big sheet of steel with a prepared speaker affixed to it that has a connection to the voice coil. So as the voice coil moves back and forth, which would normally move, the paper cone on a speaker, it's just directly connected to the steel plate. So that one gets moved in and out as the electrical signal gets sent to it and then resonates that whole plate. A similar thing happens on the sort of harp piece. It's got a surface transducer, which is similar to a voice coil, but instead of like electromagnetic coil moving back and forth, it's actually squeezing in and out. It's a it's a different system, so it can get more, um, I don't really know what it does, but it gets more direct sound by that sort of compression and expansion of the materials inside. And that's connected to the bridge that all the harp strings are on. So that's floating in space and any sort of vibration sent to it amplifies on the bridge itself as well as physically moves the string. So as they, they move, then they sort of develop either that sympathetic relationship that strings tend to have, where if you hit a note that lines up with one of the strings, it sort of sings out, it sort of vibrates more and creates almost like a chorus effect or joins in with the sound that's there. And then the third piece, the electrical signal, same thing as the sheet, bounces little parts. So it just moves up and down and then either like strikes a little bell or jostles a little hand-raised copper object.
And I notice also in the space that one of the ways that somebody can do things at the command center is they can interact with the microphone. And you've mentioned things like drum machines, and you've mentioned that the keyboard is set up there in the space. And of course, those are more electronic Mm -hmm. uh, or digital sounds, right? And uh, something like a human voice or a hand clap Mm -hmm. is analog, is organic. Yeah. How do those differences of input interact with each of those pieces of sculpture? I... Well, this is the fun part because I don't know. I mean, I made the things without really knowing what would be the most responsive thing. So these pieces aren't complete until someone comes in and engages with them. I have no, like, machinations or desires to, like, know that, like, each piece is going to do X, Y, and Z. So it's really about that discovery of what's going on of what can be brought out in them. So are the are the objects themselves sort of informing the sounds? Are they responding the way you want them to? And the brief explorations I've been around, the electronic signals are surprisingly more resonant and resilient because they sort of have a less nuance to them. And so as they sort of go through the different sculptures, they get like a direct response as opposed to voices and things that we sort of have more, I guess, acclimation to sort of get lost, get sort of further away from what we expect them to be. And so they feel muddied or they just feel disconnected, which can be nice. But it isn't as like bright and shiny as like a, a sine wave going through the synthesizer and making a really specific high pitch that rings out really nicely. Boy, that feels like a metaphor for the modern age. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, especially objects that are so like handcrafted and made to sort of feel more analog, to feel more human in many ways are more organic. Like the the steam bent wood, the hand hammered copper and brass objects are all a very different system than my experience with sort of electronic or synthesized sound. What went into the decision to indeed make those sculptures in this organic aesthetic? What I was thinking about at the time was there was some electronic music that I was listening to that was very... I was doing things that I hadn't experienced before. Like it was a Hiroshi Yoshimura's Music for Nine Postcards, this ambient album that came out in, I think, the 90s that sort of just blindsided me and sort of made me reconsider the abilities of synthesized sound and sort of the ability to sort of make space different just by their being there and sort of this kind of revelation I had with that album. And way of thinking and then sort of finding more about his process and diving into Brian Eno and sort of more ambient works and considering where that connection to this electronic synthesis can be something that is more soft, more human. If human creativity is being channeled through something that is electronic or digital, doesn't that still have within it a humanness? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same stuff as like a well-worn teacup. Yeah.
Did you start with the sculptures? Or were the sculptures and the sound sort of all happening concurrently? And so the, the whole sort of genesis of it was thinking about like what what sort of sound is happening inside an Isamunaguchi sculpture and thinking about like what, you know, if you could just like tap into it and like be able to embody it and like feel what what sort of tone is sort of like echoing out of these things with sort of like weird low rumble. And then considering sound as like it's as a formal part of sculpture, like what it would be. And if you're making an object that is meant to make sound, that is also meant to be a visual object, how does that inform what's being made. There's something on the sign that's right outside of the gallery where you talk about what it's like when an object, when a sculpture is fallow. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of projection that we put onto objects. There's a lot of stuff that we want to find into things. And there's some things that are completely void of that. There are some things that we feel very ambivalent to. And it's also understanding that you don't know something's fallow if you didn't know that something could grow in it. And that was what I was sort of being aware, you know, being brought to my attention about like this synthesized music as we were talking about, and also formal concerns with objects. I mean, I had always been idea-driven, and only recently have I been much more focused on shape and form than the actual starting with an idea. What do you think brought about that transition or the evolution for you as an artist? I don't know. I hope it's not just age. Um, (laughs) What I've come to enjoy about it is, I mean, what I found exciting about always being driven by my nose is it would lead me into places that I usually had no no business being in. Like, I've got to figure out how to make this thing work. I've got to figure out the skill set. I've got to know why I'm pursuing this because I think it's going to lead me somewhere. That's sort of like my mode of operating when I'm constructing things or thinking of objects and thinking of sculptures. And since I've developed some techniques and some like skills that are more about, you know, you just set a process in motion and you just let it run its course, there's a lot less of that exploration and a lot less of that like immediate research that needs to happen with my hands and in my head where I can just like watch something develop and sort of consider it as it's developing in a much more, well, considered way, um, as opposed to feeling like I'm just reacting to materials. When you're at the command center, Mm. (laughs) what's that like for you? How do you like to play there? I don't have that same experience because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see like what's potentially broken (laughs) or like (laughs) what isn't working right. Or like, did that thing, why is that, why is that weird buzz happening that wasn't happening there last time? And I think that that's kind of what I'm really excited about with this is that my experience doesn't terminate with it, but it quickly becomes where I'm just servicing the objects and what I can find in them it's delightful and enjoyable for myself. It's much more tethered to my intimate relationship with them, where I, I know all the weird bits that are, you know, potentially coming loose or all the things that, you know, oh, I didn't know that that sound could come out of there. And actually, one thing that was really exciting was a friend that came to see the show said that the organization of having timed entry or these scheduled 
slots for people to come into the gallery and see it was really enjoyable because she knew nobody else was going to walk in. She knew that there wasn't going to be, you know, a, a host of people just like wandering through where she could actually enjoy her time with those objects. And I would not have considered that at all. But it was, a, you know, a nice coincidence that that happened. What's it like for you when you are audience to somebody else at the command center? It's it's exciting. It's I mean that's that's kind of where I'm exhilarated to see like what can happen and when when something clicks in or when something like does kind of what you wanted it to do because I'd maybe heard some like Brothers Johnson songs that I was like playing through the instruments or the the sculptures in my basement just to make sure that they worked but really everything came together in the gallery. So seeing what actually happens outside of what I imagined might possibly do something is really, really exciting. We just had a video of Greg Sinibaldi playing his electronic woodwind instrument where he, there's this moment where he hears like a little bell start ringing and he sort of like is drawn to it and then sort of makes it active more. And it was really charming. It was exciting to see. plans for this piece beyond the Jack Straw New Media Gallery? Sort of where this piece goes from here is pretty exciting. It's going to be, so Nat Evans is composing a piece for it that he'll be playing on November 11th, and then trying to figure out how to maintain some sort of life with these objects. Like, where do they where do they go from here? Is this just like a starting point for them? Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems pretty, pretty exciting. There's such a different thing for me that this place was kind of perfect for them. And so trying to figure out how to like make them exist either as like, you know, another instrument or another voice that shows up in a, in a performance or do I try and like schedule events with other musicians or I don't know, I don't know where they go. And that's kind of a, a fun thing to try and consider where these might find purchase at. Andrew Fallett's installation, Timbre, was created through the Jack Straw New Media Gallery Residency Program. Podcast interviewer is Alyssa Keen. Produced by Levi Fuller and Joel Maddox. Engineer is Joel Maddox. Jack Straw Executive Director is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Artist Residency Programs are made possible with support from the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, Rainier Institute and Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. To learn more about our arts programs and hear more podcasts, visit us at jackstraw.org.